Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to another edition of Turned Out a Punk. I'm your host, Damien Abraham. And once again, I'm bringing you a conversation with someone who grew up listening to punk, may or may not still be involved in punk, but had their life changed by the genre in a major way. And today on the show, a bucket list guest, like one of the big guests here, one of the guests we wanted for a long time. And thanks to our friends at Punk Rock Bowling, specifically our friend Vanessa, publicist at Punk Rock Bowling, it is happening today. Milo Ackerman from The Descendants is on the show what? More on that in one second. But first, if you'd like to get in touch with me, you can send an email to turnedoutapunkpodcast at gmail.com, or you can find us on facebook.com, turnedoutapunk, oh no, facebook.com slash turnedoutapunk. Those are both run by my brother and show producer, Tristan Abraham. He will get the message to me, and we can communicate that way. You can find me on various forms of social media at Left for Damien. And if you would like to support the show, the best way of doing that is by telling all your friends, rating this thing on your platform of choice, uh, and uh, subscribing to this thing. Subscribing to this podcast is also a way to support it. There's also a Patreon page, patreon.com slash turned out a punk. Uh, I am, I'm uploading content on there, uh, diligently. There's stuff going up all the time. Um, there's the merch stuff there. There's a lot of, a lot of cool stuff over there. So you want to check that out when you get a chance. Uh, also speaking of support, this show would not be possible without the kind loving support of the fine folks at Vans. Vans came on board a while ago, said, you know what, Damien, we like what you do. We just don't want you to have to do it out of your own pocket. So I said, thank you very much. And, and Vans and House of Vans have been on board for a while now supporting this podcast. So I got to say thank you so much to them. And House of Vans is back. They've just announced an incredible run of shows in Chicago, including shows curated by people like The Breeders and friends of the show, Julian Baker and Converge. Uh, hopefully I will be down there doing some live Turn It Punk podcast. There's going to be more announcements on that coming soon. So just, uh, you know, look up House of Van Chicago and see the uh, runtime of events. But it's going all summer. And if you've never been to a House of Vans, it's like some of my favorite shows I've ever been to, ever been to, have been at the House of Vans. I've seen some incredible shows there. I've gotten to play a couple incredible shows there myself. But see, I've seen some unbelievable bands play there over the years. So... Uh, yeah, thank you, Vans, so much, and check out the House of Vans coming up this summer. Also, I'm going to be doing one in Vancouver coming up, too. So there's there's lots of stuff coming up with the Vans people. So thank you, Vans, for that support of this show. Oh, well, we uh, are just but a few days from the release of The Wrestlers, the TV series I did for Vice. So I've been kind of frantically working towards that getting ready for Las Vegas. There's going to be some big stuff happening in Las Vegas. Namely, for the purpose of this show, Punk Rock Bowling is coming up. And our friends at Punk Rock Bowling, and Vanessa, my, my homie Vanessa, does publicity for Fat Records, but also does stuff with Punk Rock Bowling. She came to me and said, I, I want to get a couple guests on the show. And I said, great. We didn't have a lot of time, so we decided just to do them in the same week. We were supposed to have a couple more, but, you know, things got... It's got a little messed up, but I, I think we wound up with some pretty good guests nonetheless. You've heard the Youth Brigade episode, at least you should have heard the Youth Brigade episode, and now, surprise, Milo from The Descendants is on the show today. Descendants are going to be playing with us next Sunday in Las Vegas at Punk Rock Bowling. There, So come on out and see it. Refuse are playing as well. Other days, the specials are playing. Rance is playing. It's going to be... Nuts, nuts. There's all these after shows with like Killing Joke and Dills and 
et cetera, et cetera. It's, it's an amazing event. If you're not in Las Vegas next weekend, I don't know. And you can be, you know, like, obviously I know a lot of you situations are preventing you from being there, but if you can be in Las Vegas and you're not there, I, I can't help you. You know, you got all this wrestling stuff happening and you got this amazing punk rock bowling event here. Anyway, so we have Milo on the show today from the descendants. Uh, this is someone that I've, you know, like any other fan of punk rock and hardcore, uh, this is someone I grew up kind of, uh, I don't know, I don't want to say worshiping, but like looking up to, um, you know, fascinated by like Milo. It's Milo from the Descendants. I remember the Warp Tour when the Descendants were coming back, sort of for the first time to to Toronto since they had kind of disappeared in in the last time they had played around here. Uh, and it was it it was mythical, like you know, people walking around looking for Milo. And they know Milo showed up on stage, and I remember Al from Trigger Happy introducing him, and then Milo pops up, and oh my gosh, it was it was amazing. So, flash forward, you know, a bunch of years, I've gotten to talk to Milo over the years, but you know what? Until I've had the opportunity to kind of sit you down in that turned out of punk chair, look into your eyes, and just punish the shit out of you about all the bands and stuff you've done. I, I don't really think that I've, I've really gotten to know you. So I now know Milo a little bit better. Milo came on the show. We sat, we talked, and it is, it is great. I'm not going to blather on anymore because you're going to be able to hear it in one moment. But before I let you listen to this Milo episode, and once again, shout out to Punk Rock Bowling, get your tickets, go and get your tickets for that. I got to remind you that coming up, on May 22nd, now I hear maybe at 9 p.m., <laughs> I get confirmation, uh, because I'm going to have another episode dropping on Monday morning with someone from the show, uh, but The Wrestlers will be coming out finally, the TV show that I worked on with the fine folks at Sal Lazar Films and a bunch of other people to kind of make happen, where we just document some of the greatest wrestlers and wrestling stories from around the world happening, wrestling scenes, just... Trying to show it as the beautiful art form that professional wrestling is. I'm so excited about this thing. I really, really want you to see it. That is going to be happening next Wednesday. I promise you there is some punk rock stuff, especially in the first episode. A lot of punk rock stuff. There's a Neurosis song. We got a Neurosis song on the TV show. Shout out to Scott Kelly, you know, fellow wrestling fan. You know, one of the strongest connections in the punk rock wrestling connection. Uh, so you got to see the show that is next Wednesday. That's it. Okay. I'm going to see you on the other end of this thing. Sit back, relax and enjoy. I can't believe I'm getting to say this one now. Finally, this is a, this is a big one for me. This is a huge one for me. I love, I love Milo's voice. Oh my God. Sit back, relax and enjoy Milo Ackerman of the descendants on turned out a punk. Milo, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's great to great to be with you again, Damon. It's well, been, always been fun to talk to you. Well, yeah, as I was saying, I have I have unfortunately for you, but fortunately for me, uh, have the opportunity to punish you in the past about kind of stuff. So this one though will be far less intrusive because we're at least separated by a phone line, so you don't have to worry about my beard hair flying in your face as I talk about your career. Too. Right. And I can roll my eyes at all your questions. You can roll your eyes in disgust this time with, yeah. with impunity. Yeah. Um, yeah. But Milo, I got to start this off the way I start them all off, which is how'd you get into punk? Do you remember the first time you ever came across the genre? Well, I guess, you know, when I was listening to this one station, K-Rock, and, and, you know, they were playing stuff like the Ramones. And, I, you know, back then it was kind of like, well, I guess this is punk or whatever. The Ramones are so poppy and everything. But uh, I guess listening to Ramones on K Rock, but I, but 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 more so than that, I guess I came into punk via New Wave, so I was a big New Wave fan, and probably um, my first uh, uh, kind of enlightening experience with punk was when I went to go see Devo play, and it wasn't seeing Devo; it was playing. It was it was actually seeing the, the opening band X play. And it was like, oh, so yeah, this is, this is the thing for me is to see is is, is seeing X because Devo were you know more new wave band, but but X really, 
kind of went into that more. They they veered more towards, you know, hardcore punk or whatever. So that was kind of uh, you know mind blowing for me. I think I think once I heard X, I started listening uh, more to L.A. Just L.A. punk. I became like the L.A. punk aficionado, and that this would have been in like you know seventy nine, eighty. Um, listen, and so yeah, I think my exposure to punk was via first this L.A. band X and just started listening to Black Flag and the Germs after that. Although at my first actual concert preceded the X concert because I saw Black Flag play at Pollywog Park in 79, but I didn't know who the hell they were. I was, I was still kind of the new wave kid. And here comes Black Flag uh, playing this picnic with a bunch of families and people throwing food and stuff. And I was like, whoa. And, but, you know, it kind of went up, their music went over my head because I wasn't, I wasn't really in the punk rock scene and I was still kind of a new waver, but that, you know, I guess technically that was my first show was, was uh, black flag at Hollywood park. Well, that's such a historic show too. There's the photos from that show. Like that's gone on to become one of the more storied early black flag shows. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, I mean, I, I, I always, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of like name dropping a show dropping for me. I'm going to always, <laughs> I'm always going to drop that show, even though, I had no clue what was going on, you know? So, but yeah, was, but that's, that's like, it was faded, right? Like you were faded to do this. Like that was your first exposure to what would ultimately change so many people's lives because of your entrance into punk rock. Yeah. I mean, and I, you know, I can't remember how it struck me from a, like a, from a musical or even, you know, kind of a, a, a cultural perspective. I, because, you know, I was, I didn't, I hadn't heard their music before, I think culturally it must have struck me as being like, well, these guys are effing shit up. It's pretty, it's pretty uh, cool to see them getting in people's faces. You know, that was kind of like had an, an impression on me. Um, I mean, I, it was, it was funny, you know, obviously I think a lot of the band was having fun and I think even some of the families were having fun throwing stuff too. So it just became this kind of me- melee that, uh, that, you know, kind of has been, you know, talked about ever since, but, but I think culturally it must have had some impact on me in terms of like, okay, you know, let you can behave like a like a rotten brat and 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 have fun doing it and make art. So that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> had had like X because you know you'd go and see X a little bit after that and Black Flag. Had they like shown up on on radio in any way at this point? Like Rodney on the Rock or was anyone kind of like playing some of those early Danger House singles? Or yeah, yeah, Rodney Rodney was playing them. And so basically, it, for me, the progression was go see Devo, see this band X be like kind of like whoa you know billy zoom is so cool and then yeah. then start listening to rodney's show and they're and all of a sudden it's like whoa this is that that's that band that i just saw and he's playing danger house and those danger house singles are so cool they're so you know so raw cool. um and so yeah. then i just then it was like you know x is my favorite band and, and all the other bands that rodney was playing you know i was kind of just who's this who's this you know this kind of thing <laughs> so i kind of i mean i had this brief uh, exposure to the Ramones prior to all that, but and they just, they struck me as more of like a, more of a new wave band or just more like you know uh, standard rock. I mean, obviously, I got more into them after I got into X and just realized, oh, these guys are the you know they're they're the they're the kind of uh, the Bible of the whole thing, you know. Um, but it was really through through X and Rodney's show that I started discovering bands like The Germs and Black Flag and, and, uh, you know, some of those other bands. Um, so yeah, I, this, I think, uh, at one point I, I wanted to get an X t-shirt and they didn't have them just like back before you could like, just go to the, to the, you know, to the record store. Hot topic or whatever. Yeah. Well, yeah, there was no hot topic. Right. Um, yeah. and, and of course, you know, music plus or warehouse these were the these were the music outlets they're going to have their zz top shirts but they're not going to have an x shirt so i actually made a stencil of the first x album and like spray painted it and was like that was that was my attempt to make an x shirt it was it was trying times back then <laughs> well you know you're just you're just setting the uh, diy standard right yeah, there and then right it was it was um, it was a, it's kind of a hard shirt to stencil too. Cause it's like an X, it's a flaming X. So I'm sitting there <laughs> with an exacto knife cutting out, you know, flames on an X and it was pretty silly. How would you, how did you become exposed to Devo to go to that show? Were they just something on the radio at that point? Or had you seen any of the weird video stuff? I think my, a lot of my friends had started to get into movie wave even before I did. Um, and, but I was immediately like drawn to it. Um, 
uh, for, you know, the kind of energy. It was, I mean, it was one of these things where I, I, my progression is just went from, you know, kind of like listening to AM pop music to then realizing that, oh man, you can actually turn up a guitar to 11 and you can, and you can play fast. And, and Devo was, it was a kind of a step in that direction. Like, you know, with some, with some more aggressive guitars and, and, you know, and with, uh, with, you know, playing faster and, and, and also, I think you know part of the thing about Devo, which is undeniable for me, is that I was a freaking nerd back then, and uh, mm-hmm. and so it was like, oh, this is the nerd band. I mean, they're total nerds. Uh, you know, I can remember, you know, at one point we all dressed up like Devo, and it's a very cringy moment to think back that you, to think how you know you how you how you dressed up New Wave or whatever. But still, I mean, it was you could identify with this band not only for the music but just for how how big of nerds they were, and that that kind of sealed the deal for me too. Well, I mean, it's like you're saying, like Devo wasn't Duran Duran or something. Like these guys were, they're like a punk band. Like it, it granted, it, it spawned a whole new wave thing, but like that stuff ages so well. Yeah, I mean, I think you listen to the early stuff, like Uncontrolled Urge, and it's just like, man, that just gets your blood pumping. That we've we've yeah. covered we've covered that one because it's just we when we first time we played Fun 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 Fest in 2011, we were actually subbing in for Devo, and it was like an you know obviously a big honor. Uh, I guess Bob One or Bob Two had broken his arm or something so we got this headline fun 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 and it was like we're we're filling in for like one of my favorite bands in the world you know one of one of the bands that got me down that road toward punk rock um and mm-hmm. we so we covered uh, uncontrollable urge and it's just such a it's such a high energy number it's such a great song so yeah i think i think i was and actually you know once Devo turned more dancey i wasn't as into them you know they really became more of a like a synth pop or synth dance band and I was just more into like you know, are we not men and and uh, and duty now? Uh, the first two records, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, were you aware of the Descendants because they were already kind of going at this point? Like, had you heard that there was this band kind of happening? So, I mean, I, I as I was discovering Rodney's show and and you know, basically realizing that there was this whole LA punk scene out there, um, and actually started going to some shows out out in Hollywood, and turns out, you know. In my own class uh, uh, was Bill Stevenson. You know, he, we, yeah. he, we were we were acquaintances. We weren't really uh, you know close friends, but we were, we knew each other. And he was he was uh, one day came up uh, to me at, at lunchtime and said, "Hey, I'm I'm selling this single that my band did," and he sold me a copy of Ride the Wild Hectic World. And you know, I, I think I was just like a sponge at that point for anything you know new and punk. And and mm-hmm. so and so, but I heard it and they were they they automatically became my favorite band you know at that point and uh, so yeah that's that's how I that's how I not, I can't say I'm, that's how I met Bill but that's how Bill and I became close friends is is by him selling me that single and then me kind of you know intruding upon their little world uh, and and I went to go see them practice at the church and. Uh, that one uh, one time they had this mic set up and no one was singing into it. And I thought, well, how come you guys are singing it? I'm gonna I'm gonna like do Ride the Wild or I'm gonna do, I think I did Hectic World, and mm-hmm. you know I don't know I, I couldn't really sing, but I think that they thought, well, you know he, he he knew the words and he's a friend and you know he's got some energy there, so they let me kind of stay on at that point. Like I think it it was shortly after that first you know time and a step to the mic where they said, Oh, do you just want to be the singer? And I said, uh, sure. You know, <laughs> so yeah. So it was, that was, that was, that was how I got exposed through to them. Yeah. What was the rest of the material like that they were doing back then or that you guys were doing back then? Was it like more like the stuff that you, you know, would go on to do, or was it more like that early single? I'd say most of it was like the early single. Um, but they'd started to write some songs that, you know, maybe just were, were had taught because I think a lot of that early stuff they were doing was was kind of sixties influenced. Frank was yeah. a big big fan of the, like the Seeds and the Turtles and some of these sixties more obscure sixties bands maybe, um, and he brought that in with songs like with songs like Statue of Liberty, which did go on the first record there. Um, so you can hear on that first record a couple songs that that survived from the early version of the band like Statue of Liberty being one mm-hmm. pa- parents may pa- parents maybe being another but i mean they uh they they had started to write more uh you know uh, i would call them music more influ- influenced by the alley cats for example 
much more yeah, kin- yeah. much more hyperkinetic, uh, uh, you know, and faster. And then we also just started to start drink. A, we started to drink a bunch of coffee, and then the songs just got faster <laughs> and faster. And so there was a transition there. I'd say that uh, when I joined, most of the songs were more like "Ride the Wild" or um, "Statue of Liberty," and then it started to become more like. I want to be a bear <laughs> and these other ones later on, you know, so. Um, when, when you got, when you first formed the band, like, had you ever sung in a band at all prior to that? Did you ever jam with any other bands? No. And I, I kind of barely knew how to play guitar. I, I, I when I got into punk, um, and I realized, well, I, maybe I should, I, I kind of want to see if I can do this. Cause that's, that was the whole, I, like you said, the DIY thing, like, they could do yeah. it, you know, maybe I could do it. And I, I had a, my friend's older brother played guitar, and I, said, I, I sat him down in front of the stereo and said, okay, how do you play this? And I played him, you know, like X, uh, you know, Johnny Hinton Run Pauline or whatever. And he goes, oh, that's easy, you know, and he just shows me this thing called the bar chord. He's like, oh, that's a bar chord, cool. You know, so then I learned about bar chords, and that, that gets you like a, a foot into, you know, learning how to play guitar. If you can, you know, if you can basically grasp the the neck and 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 put a couple fingers down you can make a bar chord and, and that and so that that got me going on guitar but i hadn't formed a band or anything uh and mm-hmm. the, the only singing i'd ever done was like in musicals growing up or whatever um so yeah it was i had no experience uh you know singing and and so that was i'd say early on i was probably the, the least apt person the least suitable person to be front man of the, of the band, the band of any band really, because I just was not very, uh, I didn't have any stage presence. I mean, I was rather shy really to be, to, to begin with. And, and so, um, I think that they, they, I mean, I, I guess they, they decided that, you know, despite the fact that I was probably too shy to actually be effective in the front, that, that they would give it a shot with me and, and see how, how it went, you know? And, and, uh, you know, it took a while, but I but I guess I finally overcame that shyness, and part of it was just realizing that these songs were so fun to sing, and and uh, you know, it was it was a uh, it was a way of getting out whatever frustrations I had. So I just you tap into those kind of frustrations, and that brought that brought something out of you that wouldn't you know like kind of a second personality really for me came out of me that I wouldn't normally have. And I'm sure you're aware of you you kind of have the same thing. I'm sure. When you get on stage, it's like a different person comes out. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's funny because, like, you know, talking about Devo and it's like you, you think about what was a world like prior to Devo because then once Devo comes out, everyone who likes that music is influenced by it, right? So it's yeah. hard to conceive, like, a pre-Devo world. In the same way, you're such, like, like the front person's front person and so iconic in the way you are a front person that it's just, like, so amazing to try and think of, like, what like who were the people that you were looking at being like I want to do what that person's doing like who were your influences because you are as I say like so influential on people like myself. I mean my my direct I mean rip off really was Des <laughs> Des Kadena. <laughs> yeah, I mean yeah. I think the thing is is uh, because I saw what he was he, one of the times when the Descendants had finished practicing, you know, lo and behold, Black Flag you know, steps into the room and say, they're, they're next up in, in the practice room. And so I'd finished seeing Black Flag, or I'd finished seeing the Descendants practice, so now I was going to stick around and see Black Flag practice. And, you know, I kind of, you know, plastered myself against one of the walls to, to, to be, you know, as, as kind of like unobtrusive as possible and, uh, and listen to, to them with Dez singing. And, and actually, I, I think I was on the floor, and Dez is just towering above me like, you know, raging into the mic and, you know, he's just got that fabulous, uh, like sandpaper quality. And that, that Mm -hmm. to me, that to me was like, okay, that's cool. And so when I joined the band, it was like, you know, I had some pretty obvious influences early on from, from Dez. Um, and you know, I think Dez, Dez mixed with, you know, the Beatles or whatever, you know, I just always wanted, I always wanted to kind of, if I, if I could inject some melody into what I was doing, and, uh, and, and, you know, I just had to learn how to sing first, but then, then tried to inject some melody in there. But yeah, Dez was a huge influence on me. When you, like, when you were said you were like a new wave kid, were there any local new wave bands that you were into? Or was it more just stuff that was kind of hitting on the national level? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm trying to think of what was, 
local at the time. Like, I mean, was the last on your radar at that point, or not yet? Oh, they they got they became they came on my radar probably around the time I joined the band. Um, okay, I, did, I had a friend that had LA Explosion, and yeah, that was just an amazing uh, record for me. Um, oh, absolutely. And then, you know, and I, I can't remember whether or not it was like Bill said, "Hey, check out this band, The Last," or whether he said, "Have you heard The Last?" And I said, "Yeah." These guys are great. It might have been just kind of, you know, all in the mix. It might have just been all kind of uh, coincidental or, you know, happened at the same time. But basically, I mean, The Last was Bill's favorite band, and The Last rapidly became my favorite band. Um, and they definitely, you know, contribute to, contributed to our sound. I mean, if you take Black Flag, Germs, and The Last, you're pretty, you're pretty close to kind of what we were trying to achieve, basically, yeah. And it's funny because out of the three bands you mentioned there, The Last are like the one that – you know, people just don't talk about, but they seem to be such a, a key band in the development of people like yourself and, and, and the scene that would become like the influential scene. Yeah. Well, I think, I mean, you, you, you I think you have to be receptive to a, like a, a, a difference, that style of like sixties oriented, almost psychedelic, uh, you know, kind of music. And I, mm-hmm. you know, I probably, I probably, uh, you know, wasn't as receptive as say Frank because Frank was writing that stuff and he was he was he started the descendants with with Dave Nolte from the from the last so I think that mm-hmm. uh, you know but I think once I heard a lot of the early descendants material and then heard the last it was like oh yeah this you know it kind of all made sense in terms of a of a direction to go and and you know they just were such amazing songwriters and Joe Nolte's such an amazing singer and. Yeah, it's, I think uh, I, I think initially I related to them through the Beatles, but then I began to relate to them through the Descendants, basically. Yeah, <laughs> I, like your your high school that you went to is like one of those places that you know when I was going to high school, it's like such a storied kind of class of people that came out of there and, and went into music. Were there like a lot of punks there, like especially before you got into it? Were you noticing like a lot of other kids in a new wave in punk rock, or is it like were you guys kind of in a minority? I mean, it was, we were still a minority, but uh, we became aware of other people. I mean, I, what I was unaware of is, is how many like hardcore punks were out there because I because I was hanging out with all the new wave kids. So you know, at one point mm-hmm. my friend at one point my friend started a new wave club, and that it <laughs> That's didn't awesome. la- it did, yeah it didn't last very long. It was basically you know I think the very first thing was well, what, why did this club exist? Well, we wanted to listen to new wave together or whatever and uh <laughs> and uh we you know i but i think the very first meeting that he organized the punks came too and then i could see these other people and a couple of them were, were older than us and they were in like one uh, if you've ever heard of um slovenly peter um they had a band before before called before that called toxic shock and so the singer oh, yeah. Yeah, so the singer from Toxic Shock shows up at our new wave thing, and I'm thinking, uh, first of all, I was thinking, who is this guy? And then later, I come to realize, well, he's a, he was in a punk band, but some of the punks showed up to this new wave thing, and I got a good feel for, you know, what the, you know, what what was at the school in terms of punkers versus new wave people, but, uh, yeah, I think I think I wasn't really I wasn't really tra- hanging with the punkers really, um, I was hanging more with the new wavers. Um, and didn't, mm-hmm. and then e- even when I joined the Descendants, then then the, then I was just hanging with the Descendants. Like we were pretty tight, thick as thieves. But but it wasn't like I was hanging with any of their punks at the school that much. But yeah, there was there was a, a decent. I think for 1979, it was a pretty decent uh, crew there. Did you did you like, um, you know, did you feel at any point like? Uh, like the, the new wave kids were upset that you got into punk rock and that you were kind of going towards a more hardcore thing. No, because here's, I think we would go in, like a lot of us would just go to see shows in, in Hollywood because, you know, it was close by and, and, uh, and, and, uh, you didn't have to, you didn't have to, you wouldn't have to go see like a band in an arena. So, I mean, a lot of the, some of the new wave bands were getting so big that you had to go see them in big places that were too big, like Devo or whatever. Um, but we would go see bands at the Starwood or the Whiskey. And I think my friends, while we came in through the new wave, we were, we were, uh, you know, we were starting to realize that we, you know, that some of these other bands that played at the smaller clubs were really more on the, you know, cutting edge or whatever that were, that were, you know, playing more 
punk style music. So I would go out to I would go out to Hollywood with my friends and we'd see you know the X or the Blasters or um, you know the Chiefs uh, Germs. Um, and so I think I I think I kind of we all kind of gravitated that way to the point where I felt like I don't think any of us were ever could ever consider ourselves punkers per se, but that we were basically new wave kids who liked who liked a lot of punk too. You know, we just kind of like crossed over basically. Um, but but we we crossed over, but we weren't necessarily going to go get mohawks or anything like that. You know, but uh, some of the first shows that I would see would be shows at the Starwood, which was a club back then that put on you know X all the time and mm-hmm. and the Blasters, and I'd see shows at the Whiskey, and uh, uh, eventually started going down to the Cuckoo's Nest. Once once I started to go see the Descendants play, the Cuckoo's Nest down in uh, Orange County became a place to go as well. So yeah, we 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 were close enough to these places to to expose ourselves to different music that maybe we wouldn't have, you know, had a chance to hear otherwise. Um, you know, like we're all like I said, they were these new wave kids, but but we decided we could branch. We decided to branch out into, you know, more hard edge stuff, basically. Well, yeah, it's because it always gets taken up, and you know, I think it's John Doe from X actually who brings it up a lot in these documentaries about how how violent the LA scene became like kind of right around the time you're getting into it, you know, when the, the orange County invasion and it became more about hardcore and less about punk rock and stuff. Yeah. Did you, how did it look when you were getting into it at that time? Like, did you, did you get a sense of that things were changing like a resentment from the older punks or is that something that's just kind of been added as time has gone on to the history books? I mean, I, I definitely would hear about, uh, you know, people getting beat up just for having long hair, but I it never, I never experienced like because I didn't really shave my head or anything. I, I showed up with just regular seventy late seventies hair, which is probably mm-hmm. too too long for for some bald headed punk. But I but I just <laughs> yeah. I I just decided, you know I wasn't I wasn't that interested in looking the part. I just wanted to hear the music, and so I would go to the shows and I would just sit on the lip of the stage right at the front, and all these people were slamming behind me, and I was just like totally focused on the band. And occasionally you get an elbow in the back, but it's like, no, I'm there. I'm there to watch the band and I'd stay in front of the pit and do that. I remember seeing the germs at the Starwood and I was just, you know, you know, in awe of what they were doing. But at the same time, then I looked back, I looked back in the pit and there's some guy with a bunch of chains wrapped around his fist. And I looked and I, I was like in shock, like, oh my God, this guy's, you know, going to go bloody somebody. And he just looks at me like, "Fuck you, you know, don't, you know, don't come near me." This kind of thing. And I, and I said, I just turned right back around, like, "Okay, these are where my eyes need to be. My eyes need to be straight ahead at the band, you know, enjoying, enjoying that, and not, not so much in the pit, you know." So I think, for me, basically, I think the music was so to me all absorbing that I didn't worry so much about, you know, what was going on back back in the back of the clubs, you know, whether there was people getting beat up or, you know, or, you know, blood, blood being spilled. It was more just like me being yeah. in front of the stage and up there, things were, things were better. Things weren't so violent. Cause we just watched the band basically. Yeah. What, like, was there a particular bands that this kind of stuff would gravitate towards? Like were certain shows more kind of like you had to worry about watching the band and not looking around you more than others? Or was it like, like, I guess what, like, what were the different like scenes that were kind of happening around that time? I mean, definitely you know, something like the germs brought out, brought out the, the pretty hardcore kids. Um, and you know, like the germ show that I saw, uh, like I said, it was, there was, there was definitely a pit and there was definitely, um, people had gotten in with some weapons, you know, <laughs> but, uh, you know, you might go see a band like the Minutemen and not have to worry as much about that. I mean, the Minutemen, uh, you know, were great and hyperkinetic, but and, and they may have had some people slamming at their shows, but but it, they they tended to attract, you know, a little bit more, uh, uh, you know, just people who wanted to see them, as opposed to people who wanted to kind of bash in skulls, you know. Um, but yeah, um, you know, there was there was a lot of uh, punk happening at that time, and I think uh, it, it just uh, I think. 
it started to, it started to kind of turn more into like a a slam a slam pit as opposed to like watch the band kind of thing and like i said i i just i didn't i didn't really take heed of of any kind of violent uh possibilities although i know they existed so i just kind of did the music thing Absolutely. Well, what about the Descendants? Like, what was the fan base that was attracted to the band? I guess before you joined and after you joined, like, was it like kind of Paisley Underground on that early seven inch, or like the proto, I guess, Paisley Underground scene? No, I don't think so. You know what? I don't even know who liked us early on <laughs> because <laughs> you know, let's face it, we were op- we were opening up on band on bills that were like you know eight bands, and we were like the opening, opening, opening band. So, yeah, yeah. you know, I couldn't, I couldn't get a beat on, on who liked this back then because, <laughs> uh, you know, when we were playing, it was a fairly empty room. Um, I mean, I think once we started to play out and get, and get a little bigger and we were saying uh, opening for minor threat, well then it, you know, I think we, we kind of, I, w- I would hope that we would share some of those same fans of that style of music, you know, of, of the hardcore, uh, music. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I don't, I don't really have a clue what, 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 yeah, what, like, what I, our fan base was back then. Cause it seems like like a certain point SST got a unique fan base, just like it almost like there were SST fans as like a subsect of punk rock fans. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, the, the early SST is kind of defined by what black flag did. And I think did, I think, uh, you know, they, th- that to me is my favorite period for them is, is, is when it was black flag and Minutemen and saccharine stains and yeah bad brains uh Husker put a, put out all those records on sst i mean so for a while i mean i don't know what, what a typical sst label fan would be but but they 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 struck a good all i can say is that early on they struck a good balance between uh you know just like straight up punk rock and people who were you know kind of foraying t- doing these forays out into out into experimental stuff or not even experimental, just kind of like changing the set, making their sound, you know, different and unique, but, you know, still, still staying within like that kind of DIY punk ethic. And that's, that's the period that I really, I really liked for them is like when, you know, when they had bands like Saccharine Trust and Minutemen and, and, you know, us, the Bad Brains, uh, uh, you know, Black Flag, those were just amazing. You know, it's just an amazing set of bands that that, that that all sounded different you know there was no mm-hmm. that maybe that's the one thing about sst that that i think that that sets it apart and maybe that's what an sst fan would be is just someone who has an open mind to things that aren't just you know things that aren't just the sex pistols or whatever you know things that aren't just straight up you know one two three four punk rock you know well, it's also it's amazing. Like if you break down like the band, list of bands, if you also lump in Sonic Youth and the Meat Puppets in there too, yeah, absolutely. that's like all. That's like the, the that's like the Rosetta Stone for alternative music. Like you can kind of like you know like country rock with the Meat Puppets, like mm-hmm. you know pop punk with yourselves. Like all the bands that would jettison or sort of birth all these amazing scenes are all on that label at one time. Yeah, yeah, and they. I mean, I, I, it may be. Uh, because you know everyone wanted to be on SST. They they saw that they saw that they had their act together and that uh, you know that they were this DIY label that actually you know um, could 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 uh, do the do the right job. And, uh, and so I think they they were able to attract just a lot of different kinds of bands. And I think also the the you know having Greg and those guys be just fans of a lot of different kind of music. So it's, it's kind of like a you know. The, the, not only you know, promoting eclecticism, but also having having a name out there that drew eclectic eclectic acts in there as well. Seems like a perfect mm-hmm. world, and it just was you know, kind of. I just feel grateful that I could be a part of it. Well, I guess before SST Records, though, you were on New Alliance Records. Like you know, you mentioned Minutemen earlier. Were you were you fans of them? Was that like? Um, oh yeah. Yeah, I mean, we were huge fans of the Minutemen. I mean, uh, we 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 toured our first—I'm going to call it a tour—but it's just we went up to the Bay Area. It was like our first foray out of out of LA. Really, was up to the Bay Area where where we took a took a small van up to up to San Francisco with the Minutemen in in there with us. So they they were you know they were heroes of ours, uh, and you know 
when they were able to put our record out, we just thought that's perfect, you know, because, you know, Watt was such a supporter of our band and we just love them as musicians. So that was kind of like a perfect match for us. Um, so yeah, yeah. And then, you know, they, and they had put out other stuff like, uh, they put out this band called Salvation Army that I thought was really cool too. And it was just kind of the same, the same, uh, approach as what SST was doing it was like, if it's good music, we're going to put it out. We don't care whether they're, they're psychedelic or, you know, punk or whatever. And, you know, Sa- Salvation Army was definitely more in the poppy psychedelic, uh, area, but, but, you know, they saw that they were, that they'd written some good songs. And so they put that out. So, you know, between them, Saccharin Trust, Minutemen, I mean, I think, you know, uh, uh, a lot, New Alliance had a good thing going too. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. Did it, was it like, like, you know, when you were kind of signing this record label, you're one of the first bands on it, like, you know, other than Salvation Army and stuff. Did it feel like it was like a big step for you to get signed to this label? Like, were you like, holy shit, I'm, I'm in the music industry now. <laughs> I don't know if it's, I don't know if it struck me that way. Because the way those labels were run were definitely not like, you know, some A&R guy shows up and, hey, yeah. Yeah. you know, here, here's a line of Coke or here, let's go wine and dine. You know, it was Watt, you know, and so it's kind of like, yeah. you know, yeah. Watt, I think Watt was like, hey, uh, we could put out your record. Oh, yeah, cool. That sounds like a good idea. You know, so I never really felt like I was in the industry in that sense because it was just like a friend who, a friend from, from the scene who who happened to like what we did and, and we had the, had the know-how to, to put out a record for us, you know? So it's kind of nice that way. Cause it didn't, yeah. I, I mean, it, I, you know, I think one thing it did is it, it, it kept me from ever, you know, getting too, too high and mighty about like, Oh, I'm a musician now. I never really felt like I was a musician <laughs> and I never really felt like I was in the music industry. I just always felt like this is a bunch of friends who help each other out. And, you know, like, uh, um, support each other at shows and, and, you know, and kind of create, create a, a musical space that people can inhabit. Um, and that, yeah. that to me was more important than, you know, me kind of looking in the mirror going, Hey, I'm a musician now. Cause I never really felt that way. Well, you know, and I guess you had, you know, you'd done those two singles, but it's that, that LP that, you know, would change the world, like change my world, change, I think a lot of people I know when they would hear that record, when it came out. So it's funny how like, you know, even though you never looked at yourself as being part of the music industry, you would ultimately end up shaping a good chunk of it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, you know, we, we probably benefited from, from just making music for ourselves and, and just, Mm -hmm. you know, like, uh, and, and, and not, uh, not trying to get big just trying to just trying to make songs that we liked and and, and uh, you know trying to be as as tight a band as we could and and uh, you know it, it, because I think I think that kind of shows through in that first record I mean cause that first record we we just we played those songs over we played those songs over the course of a year just over and over again and by the time we went in to record them it was you know we we really you know tightened everything up quite a bit um, so I yeah I think. Uh, you know, I think we just, that was important for us just to, just to kind of like not get too big about ourselves and just try, you know, try to, uh, try to uh, put our nose to the grindstone and, 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 uh, and, and, and make it, you know, make it happen more organically. So that was, that, that's what I remember about that record is how organic it was to, to kind of put it together because we, we, we just freaking practiced like, you know, seven days a week or whatever. Mm-hmm. Is it like how much, you know, you say it's organic, how much thought went into the sequencing of it though? Did any thought go into that? Oh yeah. I mean, I, that's something that I think Bill, you know, at that point he started to, um, he wasn't, you know, it's still spot spot was the producer, but I think Bill probably had some, uh, say in terms of the sequencing. I was completely out of the loop on that because as the, as the, as the name of the record says, I was already off at school. Indicate, yeah. yeah. I mean, I would, we recorded, we recorded in June. Uh, and then, and then I had to go down to school in, in August or, or September. So I didn't actually hear the final product until I was already down at San Diego at UC San Diego. Um, in fact, bizarrely enough, 
I was living off campus at a, at a, at a, in a family's house. I just rented a room from a family. And one of the, the sons of the family came in and said, hey, I just heard your record. And I was like, what? <laughs> you, I didn't know it was out, you know? I, he said, you haven't heard your own record? I said, no, I haven't heard my own record. I'm just, you know, I left, I left the L.A. and they didn't send me anything. So he says, well, come down the street. So he invites me down the street to his friend's house where they're spinning, you know, Milo goes to college. And I'm, and I'm just, they must have thought it was bizarre because I, I walked in and they put the record in and I, and I was like, I was in the, in the zone for like the next 25 minutes. And they're just, you know, looking at me like, this guy's a nut. Because I was just like, I wanted Because I wanted, I had never, I hadn't heard any of it. I hadn't heard, uh, yeah. you know, I hadn't heard, I guess I probably heard some rough mixes, but I hadn't heard anything beyond that. And then to have this, this guy put the needle down on this thing, you know, and I'm in this strange person's house who I've never met before. So that was kind of a surreal moment. How, how like, like, how, what was it like hearing it for the first time? Like, was it what you expected? Like, was it? You know, it's just such once again an iconic thing. Well, I think I I I it set it set the the tone for how I would listen to my records from then on, which is kind of go meh. <laughs> I mean, I think I think you know you listen to your own stuff and and you and you're yeah. so you're so locked into some you know kind of technical performance of it that it's hard for you to kind of enjoy it. So I can definitely say I didn't of enjoy course. it. When the guy put the needle down, I was literally just like listening to like, okay, did this turn out at all? Like I, you know, wanted it to turn out or imagined it to turn out. <laughs> and I wasn't really think, you know, I, you can't really enjoy your own music and probably not for some number of years afterwards, you know, to really, to really enjoy it. And so I think that's a pretty, I think that's a pretty common thing for <laughs> people who make records. Mm -hmm. It's like, you, mm -hmm. you gotta, you got to like, you know, distance yourself from it for a while because it, you know, it never turns out exactly the way you want it to for sure. How much were you walking away from when you decided to go to college? Like, was the, like, I know you said you never considered yourself part of the music industry, but like, did it feel like this could be a career if you kept going down that path or were you kind of just like, no, nah, this was something that happened and I'm going to go do this. Yeah. I just felt like it was, something that happened and that we were able to document, um, you know, kind of, we were able to document that phase of the band. And, and I felt like having it, having it as a document was, was a satisfying thing, you know? So mm -hmm. that, that to me was as far as I took it, like, yeah, cool. We made a record and it, you know, but it, it never really was like, Oh, we made a record and now we're going to get big and none, none of that. I mean, and it, not even oh we made oh we made a record and now we're going to tour because no we weren't going to tour I mean I was going to you know go to school uh, and we did yeah. a hand we did a handful of shows just one off shows over the next year I think maybe three three shows in eighty nineteen eighty two nineteen eighty three where I would you know I would come up from from San Diego to L A and we would we would do shows and and you know that was the end of it. That was pretty much the end of it because Bill was had joined Black Flag at that point, um, mm -hmm. and uh, so that that meant that we weren't going to be doing a lot more shows. And of course, I was down. I think they kind of realized, well, we needed to leave him alone because he's trying to be a student now. So, yeah, we did a handful of shows, and we had, they had another singer for a while. They had Ray Cooper singing, and uh, they so they were able to do more than a few shows. They were able to to do some of shows just with Ray, but I don't think uh, that was very long lived. I don't think Ray was like, he was that into it. He was, he was doing it kind of like as a way of saying, you know, he was in descent. I mean, it was one of these things like he was, he felt really happy to be in the band, but he, he didn't want to be the singer. He wanted to be a guitar player really. So yeah. that's, that's what he eventually yeah. became, you know? <laughs> um, yeah. Like, and also I guess it's like, you're stepping into someone's shoes. Like, even though, you know, like it's only one album deep, but you, you know, your caricature is on the cover. Yeah, yeah, I think that was that made it harder to kind of say, "Oh, we're just going to get a new singer." You know, I mean, yeah, that was, uh, you know, that wasn't my idea. It was, I think it was Bill's <laughs> idea, and I kind of thought, "Well, okay, if that's what you want to do." But I think it did, you know, and, and you know, I, I think it was actually really sweet of him to do it because it, you know his whole his whole thing. If you look at the cover, it's actually supposed to be designed almost like a like a card, like a greeting mm -hmm. card. Where it's like, this is his, this is his, uh, like congratulations. You're going to go off to school. Card to me, 
and and that's how it was designed to be. So I, you know, it was it was a sweet thing that he was doing for me. We 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 had become fastest fast friends at that point, um, and uh, and I think he was trying to document it with with the, with the record actually, but it definitely didn't didn't do do them any, any service in the long run because then they you know in terms of getting in another singer for the Descendants or you know with all coming yeah. coming around the corner, you know it was all kind of you know it's. It, you, you, there's there's the iconography the iconography of of that of that silly little drawing that that probably uh, makes it harder to just kind of swap out singers. Oh yeah, no, it's got to be like it's up there with like you know, well, there's like the Rolling Stones lips, like the Black Flag bars, right, <laughs> the, yeah. the Milo drawing. Yeah, yeah, it's weird. I think it's just because it's so simple, you know, like some kid can just mm-hmm. draw it, and you can make tattoos of it like nothing, you know. Yeah, and it also like as Chris Harry's kind of illustrated, like it lends itself to show up in like different situations. Like it's yeah. uh it's like it's quite brilliant for something that was just kinda just meant to be a tribute to you. Yeah, because I think for a while there we um we we thought, Oh, this is funny, we'll put this little stick figure on the on the cover. But then when we when when it came time to do a record in eighty five, I don't wanna grow up. Then, then the SSC guys are like, "Cool, okay, so we can make a baby with his head," you know. And it's like, so then we're like, "Really? We're going to resurrect this this uh, the stick figure?" And then ever since, it's like, "Well, we can do this with the guy, and we can do this." So yeah, it became a thing. Um, we tried to steer clear of it with enjoy and with all, but but then uh, you know, with everything sucks, they, the, the label was back, and they're like, "Hey, let's do uh, you know, let's use the Milo head." So I think you know, after much eye rolling. In terms of all this, we kind of realized, okay, well, we're gonna we're gonna kind of like embrace it. And the main reason to embrace it is, like you said, it's actually an outlet for creativity for us, is because mm-hmm. we make you know you, you think about oh well, we can we can not make a shirt for this next tour, or we could make a shirt and you know have another riff on uh, on the Milo head. So we try to we try to riff out on it whenever we can. Uh, when you got down to San Diego, did you try and get involved in that punk scene there, like Battalion of Saints and any of that stuff, or you were just kind of like, I'm a student now? Oh, I would go to see shows. That was the thing. It's like, I, you know, like I, I, left, I left this punk rock band, but then I was just immediately like, you know, a, became a punk rock fan down in San Diego, and I went and saw, you know, the, saw the Bad Brains, I saw the well down there, saw the Battalion of Saints. I'd see whatever band came through town, really. So I was still kind of really maintaining close contact with you know the scene if there is a scene um mm-hmm. seeing bands um so yeah and then i wasn't i actually when i was when i was down there for grad school because then i went down to grad school in the late in the late 80s and at that point i did in fact join another band called milestone and we put out a teeny little record it was it wasn't even like a record that we recorded in a studio it was just like a live performance in a in a radio radio studio a radio station but that, that someone decided you know, that they would put out. Um, so yeah, that was the only, my only other foray into non-descendants bandage was, uh, was this band called milestone. And, uh, you know, I think I'm just, one thing is when, once you play with like Bill and Stefan and Carl, you kind of, and then you, you it, it ruins any other band for you. Cause it's like, well, how can I, yeah. you know, how can any other, you know, players really match up? Um, yeah. so, so I, you know, like when milestone, I was just, I, I, I left the band after about a year because I just realized, well, unless unless we just do a lot of woodshedding, we're, we've kind of reached our we've reached our point of goodness, and you know, and and so then I thought, well, I'm trying to get my degree, I'm trying to get my 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 PhD, and uh, it's become a it's become a bit of a time commitment to trying to get if the band's going to get better or, or am I going to write my PhD? So I I had to make a choice to write my PhD over get, make this band get better. You know, <laughs> did you ever have the temptation when you were first down there to try and do something like that or when I'm down where, when you go to, when you went, sorry, when you first went off to school, did you ever have a temptation to try and do another band or, or like, was that like, you know, obviously you didn't, but like, was that ever in the cards on well, those early university I, years? I actually, I mean, I, I guess I sat in with this, there was a band down there called the insolence and they, I think they might've put out a single, uh, pretty oh, on Mystic, right? Maybe on Mystic. Yeah, I think they put out a single on Mystic, uh, and I was yeah. room, I was roommates with Todd. So in fact, when Todd started playing with the Insolence, I said, you know what? I could throw a couple keys in there. You know, 
<laughs> so they, I, they, they had some, they had some, uh, you know, organ set up, and I, I would play a little organ. I think the, I think the only, the only way they agreed to it is that TSOL had started playing with keys, and so they thought, well, yeah, let's, <laughs> yes. let's, let's, let's throw some keys in there. Um, but uh, yeah, I, so I sat in with them a little bit, um, and so I think yeah, what this is all leading to is that probably I was unable to shake the bug. So to speak, yeah, and, and yeah. so I was I was sitting there like oh, I still want to be doing this, you know. So I would I would sit in with the insolence, or you know, and later on I I was in this other band, the Milestone. It was hard for me to just kind of shake it out of my blood, and, and that you know that's probably why I'm still doing it now. It's like it's something that was kind of meant to be, I guess. Well, yeah, you're from that first Black Flag kind of running way back when at that park. Yeah, all the way from back from from that, yeah. And actually, yeah, in the, in the, in the, when I was down at school, Bill, Bill called me and said, Hey, Black Flag's recording a record. I want you to do, you know, backing vocals on it. And you know, I jumped at the opportunity and that was for Loose Nut. So it's, it's kind of like, you know, I, I, you know, I could have said, you know, I'm not doing the music anymore. Just leave me alone. But no, I was, I was still all in. I just didn't have a vehicle at that point because, you know, they were doing Black Flag and cause I was doing my thing, but it was I think all these I think all these little events that happened were for a reason. I think for the re- reasons being Bill and I were meant to be friends forever. And mm-hmm. and I think the descendants were, were or you know or I was meant to c- continue to develop my 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 musical self uh in some way either either through just kind of like participating with whatever Bill tossed my way or just you know, reforming the band, which we did numerous times, obviously. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, San Diego, I've kind of heard from other people that were around kind of in the time period you're down there, describe that scene as being like maybe even hairier than the LA scene was in terms of violence and stuff like that and skinhead stuff. Did you see that at all when you were down there, especially that TOSOL show and, and shows like that? No, no, I didn't. I, I, to me, it was about, to me, it seemed about, about the same. It was definitely people mm-hmm. were people slamming, you know, and whatnot. But again, I, I don't know. I guess me with shows, I treat a show as a, as a, as an opportunity to kind of commune with a band, not commune with an audience so much. And so I, I you know, at the TSOL show, there I was at the front of the stage. You know, uh, I saw the Misfits down there on their very last tour, um, and you know, there I am, right in front of, I guess Doyle, and he's, and he's just like, <laughs> he's got his guitar, and he's like every chord change he's like punching upward with with his with his with his fret hand you know voyage, voyage. and i'm just sitting there you know totally mesmerized by and there's there's the violence right there i mean he's he's like he's being violent with his guitar and so that's to mm-hmm. me that's a that's a violence that i can that i can embrace and 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 let it get me charged you know and i'm sure there was violence going on behind me but i wasn't really paying any attention <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, better, better look at that violence that's happening on stage. Yeah. Um, what, like when you kind of came back for, you know, obviously I'm jumping ahead and this has been incredible and I'm not going to keep you all day because I know you got to go out there and, and live your life, but would you come <laughs> back at some point, Milo, for a part two? Yeah, sure. No, no problem. Yeah. Um, but one thing I wanted to talk about, like before I let you go was the idea when you guys came back and did everything sucks, there'd been like a like a, a gap between the last time you got, you had done Descendants stuff, right? Like you did some all backup vocals, I think between the two, yeah. but in that gap, like that's when, you know, the music that you, the scene you had been, you know, kind of key in help forming had kind of come to full blossom, you know? And like, you came back to a world where, where punk rock had gone mainstream and it had blown up. Like, were you kind of aware of that stuff happening? And you must've been aware of it happening, but like how much of that was kind of coming into your life? Like were people recognizing you more post kind of Nirvana post green day? Um, I don't think people were recognizing me, but I, um, I mean, I guess I was, I was reading, you know, interviews where there were people were, you know, Hey, there, you know, there's this band that influenced us. I, at that point, you know, it was probably the first time that I realized that we had influenced, you know, this, this other generation that we'd influenced these other younger kids to do stuff. And that was, you know, I mean, I was gratifying. I was, I was, uh, you know, very uh, gratified by that, but I think, uh, part of it was also just, uh, was just me. Keeping uh, trying to keep t- uh, in touch with Bill, and uh, mm-hmm. and 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 actually, f- 
finally writing some more songs myself. Just I hadn't really written a lot of songs, and I had found myself. I found myself in a, an environment. This was in, I was living in Wisconsin, where I just I was kind of bubbling over with frustration from my professional career, and I decided, you know, I, mean, I don't know if I decided, but I just what what emerged from that was some songs that I'd written that started getting written. And and so I thought, well, I got these songs, so I should talk to Bill, and you know he's always been, you know, receptive to, to what could be done, you know, and and at that point uh, they were on Interscope, but they I guess they they had been dropped by Interscope, um, they got bought out from Interscope, all did, and then um, mm-hmm. and then they were they were you know shopping around for another label, and, and he said, well, we could probably you know make a Descendants record while we make an all, like make an all record and make a Descendants record, like make both basically. And I said, okay, cool. You know, and they, that's, that's, that's the way it worked basically is that we, we put out the Descendants record on Epitaph and then, then they put out an all record after that. So. Has it always been important to you to kind of have the, the, like the two worlds that you can kind of jump back and forth between? Like, do you think that is something you know, that's, that's good for your psyche. Like you, do you need that? I mean, I, I think that it, I think that it has been good for me because I mean, I you can always point to like, well, you could have gotten further in either field. I could have gotten further by, by just, you know, putting all my eggs in the one basket. I mean, I mm-hmm. definitely, you know, in science, I probably shot myself in the foot many times, you know, by, by, you know, not by, by not focusing enough in that area while I was off in, on tour with the band or whatever with the band, um, so I guess you could yeah you, I guess you could say that uh, that it it was to my detriment on one level, but I also think it was to my to my benefit on another level because I feel like I've never had the kind of uh, rock and roll lifestyle that just destroys people. And that destroys mm-hmm. bands, destroys many bands. Mm-hmm. And one thing we've di- we've discovered, you know, as of late, is just that we can we can the long the longevity of of our band we can ascribe to having put you know a certain amount of space between each of us and just allow us room to breathe as 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 people as individuals. And I, boy, did they ever let me room to breathe <laughs> over the years? <laughs> <laughs> they, they they left me more than enough room. To breathe, and I think you know. I think that, but you know, we're at the period now where everyone wants that as well in the band, and we want we want to be able to play with the band, but but have lives, have family, and that's what we've been able to do. We were never never able to do that back in the '80s. I mean, back in the '80s, it was just like, okay, jump in the van, and you know, three months later, okay, we're home. Who are we? <laughs> you know, who are we at that point? You know, you don't even know who the hell you are. So I think yeah. I think having it be more on off allows you to um it just allows you to be, be a human it allows you to be to live to live a life as opposed to you know be so all consumed with this one thing that i mean i you know what if, if if there's an artist out there who can who can be all consumed with their music and make their the rest of their life work more power to them but it's really hard to do and so well, i think yeah, i think right. i i think we you know kind of stumbled upon you know, a way, a way where we can have a life, um, outside of music, but, but still, you know, you know, kind of have a, have a really, really exciting life still in music as well. Mm-hmm. Well, Milo, this has honestly been, you know, like a, a, a third time I've gotten to do this to you, but this has been my most favorite out of all of them. Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, but will you come back for part two at some point down the road? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, whenever you want to do it, we'll do it. <laughs> Awesome. Well, I cannot wait to play with you again, my friend. Yeah, yeah. When when are you guys playing around? You, where you guys, we're playing the guys... same day as you are, punk rock bowling. Oh, okay. Well, I'm gonna make sure to on... I'll make sure to be side staging. We're, oh, that will be that will be amazing. We're two on before you, so don't worry. Okay. You don't have to show up too early. Yeah, um, yeah. If you were right I'll... on, if you were on right before us, that's the worst because then it's like I'm off preparing. <laughs> but but two before us, uh, two before us, I'll be I'll be side stage for that for sure. Yeah, then poor refuse. They don't get it, but I get it. Coming up, Damien. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Milo, for coming on the show. When you heard right there, we got more to get to with Milo. Milo will be back. 
for some part twos and threes in the future because whew, a lot of stones left to unturn with that guy. A lot of stones left to unturn. But I I I really feel like um I don't know that that was a that's a special one for me. That was such a special one to get to do. So thank you so much to Vanessa. See everyone at Punk Rock Bowling. This is gonna be a great time. Um but I guess I'm going to be seeing you before I see you at Punk Rock Bowling because coming out on Monday on this Turned Out a Punk podcast feed in celebration of the wrestlers coming out on May 22nd. A lot of dates and stuff I'm throwing out at you this week. I, uh, I'm sorry for giving you so many dates to have to follow, but, but I, this is worth it. Because coming out on Monday, Darby Allen, who's one of the stars of the first episode of The Wrestlers, which is coming out on Wednesday, once again at 9 p.m. or 10 p.m., 9 p.m., I think now they're telling me, uh, next Wednesday on Viceland, The Wrestlers will be premiering. Uh, one of the stars, Darby Allen, I'm going to have a podcast with him dropping on Monday, and it is awesome. My gosh, this is a, a great companion piece to the first episode of The Wrestlers. And then after the wrestlers airs, uh, you can check out on post wrestling and their feed. I'm going to be doing kind of like a, uh, you know, a little conversation with my friend, John Pollock, my good buddy, John Pollock about each episode of the wrestlers after they happen. So you can check out all that good stuff. There's so much content, so much content for you. Oh, and I, and I'm just adding to that content pile constantly over here at Turnout of Punk. But you know what? I promise you, it's always going to be pretty good content. So oh, it's going to be reliable. It's not going to be, here's the thing I was thinking about today with Turn It a Punk. It's not going to be the best interview that you've ever done, maybe, but my God, will it be the most different interview you've ever done? You know, that's what I'm, that's what I'm hoping. Anyway, that's it. Go out there and sign your organ donor cards, create your own culture. Tell all your friends about this podcast. Thank you again to Vanessa. Thank you to Milo. Thank you to Tristan. Thank you to Amy, thank you to Brian, thank you to, and I feel like Robert Rowan, just seeing all the people I see out there, but a lot of people to thank. Thank you to everyone for believing in this wrestler show. I'm so, so excited for you to see this thing. Ugh. Ugh. If you're listening to this show Friday when this podcast dropped, there should be a trailer going out today too, so hopefully you get a chance to check out the new trailer. And then next week, the wrestlers. Woo! Woo! And then Vegas. I'm going to be in Vegas. Punk Rock Bowling. Suburban Fight. This is a Suburban Fight Show. We'll be talking about that on the Darby Allen episode. Anyway, that's it. I love you. Thanks for listening. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.